Good evening. I'm Kate France. And I'm Tabby Tyler. Tonight we talk about two military assassinations. So grab a beverage. It's time for a night in. This episode is not going to be a conversation. When it comes to topics of foreign policy, we find ourselves less inclined to partake in our usual tongue-in-cheek and more interested in discussing the scope and implications of the actions of those in power. It is in these moments that we prefer to state the facts and review our understanding of the course of history thus far so that we can view with a different lens the justifications for a particular course of action. Last week, the United States of America, at the direction of President Trump, assassinated Iranian General Qasim Soleimani. This was via drone strike, while his convoy traveled near Baghdad International Airport. This action was justified as a deterrent against attacks allegedly planned by Soleimani and the Iranian government against the U.S. These events also came after the December 27th death of an American contractor backed by the Iranians and the demonstration by protesters against the American embassy in Baghdad. This action was done without congressional approval. It was also carried out without seeking permission from the Iraqi government. Therefore, we committed an act of aggression on foreign soil without that government's approval. Right now, the legality of this action is up for debate, and Trump's motivations criticized. Some question whether his decision was purely based in a desire to be reelected. Some critics are claiming his decisions rose from a desire to avoid his own Benghazi scandal. As a reminder, this was when the Obama administration and then-Secretary of Defense Hillary Clinton were heavily criticized for the lack of additional security resources contributed to the U.S. consulate in Libya, which may have led to the deaths of four Americans in a terrorist attack taking place during a protest. Trump has reportedly wanted to not appear weak in his actions in the Middle East, especially in light of his extensive and repetitive disparaging remarks regarding Mrs. Clinton and the events in Benghazi. The decision by the president to target a military general is unconventional by today's standards. According to the New York Times podcast The Daily, the last time we assassinated a military general was in World War II with the assassination of Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto. In 1943, the United States military assassinated Japanese Admiral Yamamoto in a mission called Operation Vengeance, and the vengeance was in retaliation to the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor, on the date which will live in infamy, December December 7, 1941. 1941, a date which will live in infamy. films and pictures made by the enemy as they drop their load of death on the naval base, on Wheeler Field, on civilian homes and schools. A hundred Japanese planes and a number of midget submarines took part in the attack. In an hour and five minutes, the battleship Arizona was completely destroyed and four others severely damaged. Yamamoto was credited as the admiral to mastermind the attack, a veritable Hail Mary that catalyzed the events that led to the United States entering World War II. Yamamoto, however, did not want to precipitate an engagement with the United States. He wanted to craft a situation in which the United States would choose an armistice over battle. Yamamoto was a gambler and risk-taker. Though he wasn't built like James Bond or Indiana Jones, standing only 5'3 and walking with a limp, 
He garnered the respect of the naval high command with his experience and prowess. They respected him so much that, even though they initially turned down his plan to attack Pearl Harbor, they ultimately approved the plan after Yamamoto threatened to resign from his position. Yamamoto thought that a war with the United States was doomed to failure, and predicted that a prolonged engagement with the U.S. would lead to Japanese defeat and impoverishment. Having spent time in the United States while attending Harvard and working at the Japanese embassy in D.C., Yamamoto traveled the U.S. and studied both cultural and business practices. He and other strategists determined that the best way to defeat the United States was to neutralize the naval forces and use the U.S.'s inability to retaliate as the means necessary to invade the Philippines, the Dutch East Indies, and other locations throughout the Pacific to fortify their supply lines. Oil and other resources to Japan had been embargoed by the United States and friends, and Japan only had their fuel reserves, which were dwindling quickly. The Pearl Harbor attack was a betting man's gamble. Secure oil with the Dutch East Indies. Create a battlefield larger than any in history by expanding through the Pacific. Demoralize and neutralize the United States Navy with an attack on Pearl Harbor. And leverage this advantage to cultivate an armistice. It was crazy, but there was no option that wasn't terminal. The Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor commenced the morning of December 7th. The Americans were caught off guard. The damage was horrific. Sailors would go on to describe the event as haunting. It would have been a catastrophic defeat for the United States, save one detail. There were no aircraft carriers present at Pearl Harbor on the day of the attack. Though this may not have changed the outcome of the war, the advantage of destroying an aircraft carrier is undeniable, and had they succeeded in this act of war, the subsequent war in the Pacific may have unfolded in a different manner. Yamamoto's plan failed. The United States, like a beast aroused from slumber, entered into a years-long offense against the Japanese and, finally, in 1943, through Operation Vengeance, targeted their attack on the man who dared provoke their ire. On the morning of the 18th of April, specially fitted P-38G Lightnings took off from Guadalcanal and began their mission to intercept and shoot down the plane carrying Yamamoto. Yamamoto was en route to a scheduled inspection tour of the Solomon Islands. The details of his mission were previously intercepted and decoded by Navy cryptographers, and on April 17th, Admiral Chester Nimitz made the decision to authorize the assassination. When Yamamoto's body was found on Bougainville Island, it was reported that his body was found sitting upright, with his hand still clutching his katana. His actual cause of death was kept from the Japanese public, which was a bullet that passed through his lower left jaw and exited above his right eye. The United States military had to keep their acquisition of the knowledge of Yamamoto's itinerary a secret. They did not want Japan to know they were intercepting and decoding their communications, so they told the media that they knew of Yamamoto's plan because civilian coast watchers in the Solomons spotted him boarding a bomber and reported it to the American naval forces. The Japanese and the American people were led to believe that the assassination was dumb luck. So why is there a 77-year gap between the targeted killing of an influential and powerful general? 
it seems like, strategically, a good way to take a dangerous player off the board. But the issue is complicated, legally, strategically, diplomatically, and of course, morally. We can begin with legal issues, namely that assassinations have been illegal under U.S. federal law since 1981, following an executive order in 1976 by President Gerald Ford, which stated, quote, No employee of the United States government shall engage in or conspire to engage in political assassinations, end quote. Which, of course, is why this action and those of other administrations is labeled a targeted killing or lethal action, working around the murky definitions of assassination within U.S. law. Because the world is a dark place, the U.N. has an official in charge of examining targeted killings. Her name is Agnes Calamard. Calamard told NBC News that under international human rights law, a country may kill in self-defense only under extremely narrow circumstances in which the lethal strike was the only option to prevent the imminent attack. She also stated that the deaths of those killed in the Soleimani action as collateral damage, including drivers and security guards, were unlawful. The strategic value of this action is contested. Some state that the killing of Soleimani was the only way to reestablish American strength in the ongoing hostilities between the U.S. and Iran. Others claim the action was rash and could launch us into an actual war with Iran. Either way... Much like Yamamoto couldn't truly anticipate America's response to Pearl Harbor, it will be some time before we know the true strategic value, or lack thereof, of this decision. UN Secretary General Antonio Gutierrez said through a spokesperson that he is deeply concerned with the U.S. attack. Quote, This is a moment in which leaders must exercise maximum restraint. The world cannot afford another war in the Gulf. End quote and the sentiment has been echoed by many in the world's diplomatic community. What it comes down to, though, is was this the right thing to do? Do we believe the Trump administration's justification? America often sees itself as the hero of the story. And since World War II, our education and political propaganda has enforced this view. Is an assassination a heroic act? Is it moral in the American culture? Can we as a nation accept that this was an act of self-defense? Or do we recognize the implicit benefit such an action would grant a sitting president? Much as there is a precedent for assassinating a foreign general to protect our strategic interests, there is also the historic pattern that every wartime president who has sought re-election has succeeded in their re-election campaign. We invaded Iraq in 2003 under the pretense that we were to disarm Iraq of weapons of mass destruction and stop a terrorist regime. We now know that there were no such weapons in the country, and that the motivations of several in the Bush administration were selfish and short-sighted. We urge our listeners to consider these and all the historical events discussed tonight when drawing their own conclusions about the actions being taken by this current administration.